real tight. So I don't always get a chance to, to play and sing, so thanks for bearing, bearing with me with that. This thing has been bubbling up in me since Tuesday because Tuesday, quite a few in the region gathered down on Independence Mall, right outside the Constitution Center, right next to the Liberty Bell. And we declared fresh our dependence on God. Independence Day is good. Independence Day is fine. And I, I, I really appreciate the fact that we, as a nation, are able to stand on our own. But you never want to miss the target where we go past needing God. As a nation, as a region, as a city, a township, a neighborhood, a house, as individuals, we need God. These incredible men and women that were standing up here who now are going to another level in their college career or another level in their professional career, they need God. And for those of you who have been working for decades, those of you who have gotten your degrees and they're hanging on your wall, the, the reality of everything you went through in junior high and high and college and graduate schools, even for the education that you got through on-the-job training, the wisdom that came that didn't happen in the classroom, for all of us, we need God. We need Him. It doesn't matter how far your schooling goes or how far your professional career, the resources that you have coming in. You need God. It doesn't matter how far you go back in the relationship between God and his people. There's always been that need to return. Always turning. Something would always happen. I remember when the prophet went to, in the book of Chronicles, he went to this young and upcoming king. Asa. His dad didn't do right by God. Started off good, but then got away. And here comes this prophet getting this young upstart. Getting him straight in the early stages. He says, the Lord is with you while you were with him. And if you seek him, he will be found of you. In the past, there was relationship between God's people and Jehovah God, but they got off track. So Asa, don't miss this. Keep the Lord your God as the Lord your God. I want to give that same strong, strong, Warning to all of you that are here today and those of you that are watching online. Make the Lord your God, God, 
keep the Lord your God, God. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own strength. Trust in the Lord. It's interesting because as Asa received that, he started off great and started off wonderful. But then because of an arrangement, because of an agreement that he thought could work better, he ended up getting in relationship with king of Syria. And what started off as triumph, triumph, and victory, and victory, he found himself away from the presence of God, the power of God. We need to hear that. Man, do we need to hear that. Because our culture can pull us away from who we are as a church. I'm not talking about high street worship. I'm talking about the body of Christ, citizens of heaven. If you are a citizen of heaven, put your hands together and make some noise in the house. Are you a citizen of heaven? There is, there is a vote. There are primaries. There are elections that come up for the local on the state level, the national level, and we choose. And I don't ever want to, I don't want to ever tell you not to choose. Choose. Pray, spend time with God, and decide who you're going to choose. Pastor Terry, who are you choosing? You will never know who I vote for. You won't. Am I embarrassed? Absolutely not. I move with authority. I move with confidence. I do my research and then I vote. But the political scene has been such a source of division and that has crept into the church. And so you just never know. I always point people to the Bible. I always have people do your research, pray, ask God, make, cast your ballot, and then you'll have to do it again in four years. But the Bible says of his kingdom, our Lord Jesus' kingdom, there shall be no end. Where am I getting at? I'm getting at that no matter who's in office, no matter what the outcome is, we are first citizens of heaven. That's who we are. Which means that, which means that as we move, as we go along, it's important for us not to get pulled into the culture for our source. The Bible says, pray for your president. Pray for those who are in authority. Pray. So I pray for our president, whoever it is. Whoever it is. I can, I can remember praying for presidents, whether it was uh, Gerald Ford or Richard Nixon or Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, uh, whether it was Bill Clinton, it was George Bush, or George W. Bush. I'm just going through all of them, right? Look at the diversity. But Jesus, he is always on the throne. He's always on the throne. So we live like that. We live like that. Why won't you ever know who I 
vote for because as soon as I name whatever candidate I'm behind or whatever, I'm going to lose half of you. And for what? I bless you in the direction you go in. I bless you with however God leads. I bless you for whatever passions are in you because these are all men and women who are trying to serve the nation the best they can, which is why we need to pray for those who are in authority, that we might lead a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. But in the body of Christ, it helps you to stay one with one another. And that's dominant. That's the most important piece. It also keeps us from missing the target. Because sometimes in our desire to see certain things changed and laws governed a particular way, we end up, we end up hating the person. We end, up, we end up going too far. We end up going too far. So we want to bless the poor, but then the person who's fighting for the, for the poor, if they don't get in, then it's the other side. We believe in this particular situation or that particular situation. And whoever is fighting for that, if they don't support on the other side, then all of a sudden they become an enemy. Don't miss the target. Don't miss the target. The target is the broken and the bruised and the captive. And that's whether Republic, Republican, Democrat, or Independent. And I will tell you, these were not my notes getting up here. But I really feel like by the Spirit of God, we need to draw lines in the sand and realize that we are citizens of heaven first. First. And in the body of Christ, we love each other. Look at somebody near you without knowing who their political affiliation is and say, I love you. <laughs> say, I bless you. <laughs> but how do we keep God as God when we've got nations throughout church history that the culture isn't pushing for God. How do, we, how do we keep ourselves clean? How do we keep ourselves God honoring? Well, there's a beautiful word called repentance. Repentance. I was sharing this on Independence Mall on Tuesday. It was a, it was a communion gathering with the body of Christ. And it was broadcast all over the nation, all over the world, really to show what is it like to have communion with each other. There are two ordinances, I was talking about this this morning, when we were talking about and talking to a group that is experiencing high street worship in terms of membership. And so every Sunday morning, um, we try and talk about that, especially in these early months, you know, just as I'm laying down vision and direction, What's the house? Where are we going now? Um, so I've been talking in the theme, and I've had a help, you know, between, you know, my wife, Pastor Pam, also Mark, uh, Pastor Mark Arstad, who has come these past few weeks and before. Did he do a great job these last couple weeks in leading? Oh, man. And we've been laying down a foundation of what is the scent of the house. It's love, it's unity, it's scripture, the word of God. It is humility, and it's the Holy Spirit. And we need to have that. 
And there are things that Jesus says that we need to zero in on. We were talking about a couple of those things this morning. There are two ordinances that we have to have. Ordinances meaning these are things that we have to always do. And Jesus said it this way. He says, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize. Baptism is critical. So it's important to be baptized. Baptism is the outward declaration that I've had a relationship with God on the inside. It lets everybody know that on the inside, I was buried with Christ and I was raised up from the dead. So now as he lives, I live. It's in my spirit, man. I'm tripart. I am spirit. I am soul made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And then I am body, spirit, soul, and body. The greatest is the spirit. And when I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord of my life, when I accepted his part in saving me of my sins, him being the sacrifice, and on him, all of the punishment to be right with God, God put on him. His, the, the, the punishment necessary to bring about peace between man and God because of Adam's disobedience, the wages of sin is death. But because of Jesus, God put all of his wrath on Jesus. So I didn't have to take it. The song puts it this way. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin has left a guilty stain, but he washed me white as snow. And so when I say Jesus, I want you to be my representative. When you stand in front of the judge, a holy God, you represent me, Jesus. And because God looks at Jesus and sees the necessary punishment accomplished on Jesus. And if I'm standing behind Jesus, when the father sees me, he sees Jesus. And so all the guilt, all the shame, all the punishment has been taken away. Jesus freed me from the guilt of sin, the penalty of sin, the power of sin. Jesus paid it all. And so my faith says that when Jesus was buried, I was buried with him. And when Jesus was raised up from the dead, I was raised up with him. And so I live new life. That's how I live. <laughs> That's how I live. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what baptism is. Baptism says now, when I, to my friends, to my family members, no matter who it is, when I go down into this water, I am reckon, I'm reckoning myself to be dead to sin nature. And now when I come up, I come up as though sin never existed in my life. I get to stand in the presence of God just like Adam did before he ate the fruit. Just wonderful union with God. So baptism is one of those ordinances. Another ordinance that Jesus left was communion. And that's why we strive to have communion all the time. It keeps us sensitive to the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. Jesus says, you know, as often as you do it, you remember me. We do it here, and we do it with our friends and family members who are Christian when we're not in here as often as you do it. And so we had a national communion service on the mall. And it went across denomination lines. It went across racial lines. It went across 
political lines. It went across generational lines. It's the body of Christ coming together saying, we testified that Jesus came, he lived, he died, he was buried, and he was rose again. And when we take this, we take it remembering that his blood washed our sin away. When we take this, we remember that his body was given as a sacrifice and for every, every level of healing. And so we did that on the mall. But before we did that, I led the audience in a time of repentance. Repentance means turning away. And one of the things that I shared with them is that repentance should be the rhythm of the church. The rhythm of the church shouldn't just be worship. Worship music, singing, even giving, which is a form of worship. It shouldn't just us be gathering, even hearing scripture. That's important. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together. You need each other. And as I've said, oftentimes there's over a hundred one another's in the New Testament. We need one another. A person that's sitting near you, just look at them and say, I need you. Look at somebody on the other side and say, I, I need you. And so the, all of those things are good, but the rhythm of the church, what keeps the church moving forward, declaring that God is God in our lives and that Jesus is Lord, is repentance. Repentance. Repentance isn't a bad thing. I want to read some scripture to you. We're going to go through a, a few passages. We're going to go through a few passages, and, and we'll just go in rapid, in rapid fire. I want to read Acts chapter 3, verse 19. I'll give you that ahead of time. And look what he says. It says, so repent, change your mind and purpose, Turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean. And here comes the good stuff. That times of refreshing. Refreshing. Deacon Javier was talking about the heat this week, and it was hot this week. It was some heavy-duty temperatures. As I looked across the nation, I saw, man, I'm not going to say we had it good, but there were some places who had it worse than us. On average for the week, they were at 113 degrees. Man, just the kind, of, the kind of heat that just drains you, that just messes you up. You're just worn out. You can't even move. And look what it says repentance does. Repent. Change your mind and purpose Turn around and return to God that your sins may be erased, blotted out, wiped clean. Look at this. That times of refreshing, of recovering from the effects of heat, of reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. That's a wonderful thing to live in a state of repentance. It's beautiful. It's glorious. It's glorious to be refreshed by him. It's glorious to be touched by him. How many of you have ever sinned? Please, everybody, raise your hand. Sometimes we don't know if we should raise it. He's talking to me. He's talking to me. Please, I beg you, raise your hand. You are in that category. 
We are all in that category. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But it's so wonderful to be clean, to be just washed. That's what repentance does. Repentance puts you in the presence of God, and, and you get to say, Father, forgive me. One of my favorite songs is a song, it says, wash me now, wash me now. Take all my sin away, just wash, wash me now. And sometimes the enemy makes that, that repentance thing scary. Like, oh, you got to go to God, and man, he's going to be mad at you. No. He says, with love and kindness, I drew you in. He's like, I want you clean. He says, I don't want there to be anything between me and you. Repentance is wonderful. Now, I'm still talking about this title, total dependence on God. Total dependence, not independence, total dependence on God. And if this is going to be accomplished, it's got to start with repentance. And as I said, it should be the ongoing rhythm of the church. And so I'll, I'll talk to you about my life. Every day, all throughout the day, I'm trying to turn. I'm trying to turn. Why? I live in a culture. I live in a culture. And I live in a body. Paul put it this way in the book of Romans, chapter 7. He says, I know that in me, that is, he put in parentheses, I know that in me, parenthetically, parentheses, that is in my flesh, close that parentheses, dwells no good thing. Thank God for my body. I appreciate my body. I get haircuts. I take showers. I find nice clothes to wear. You know, I try to, I try to eat right. Pray for me. Pray, pray. pray. Keep on praying. I try to eat right. But at the end of the day, I know that this is nothing good in here. It always wants to do the wrong thing. It always wants to be boss and go its own way. And so I constantly, I constantly have to live in that rhythm and say, Oh, Father, help me to see through your eyes. Look at this passage of Scripture in Psalm, Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Look at, what, look at what it says. This is David. This is David having a conversation with God. Look what he says. He says, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me or, or test me. Test, test my motives. I want to stay in the rhythm. And this isn't shame. It's not guilt. I'll talk about that in a minute. It's not this overwhelming hopelessness. I'm not talking about that kind of repentance. The enemy will have you think God's mad at you. This is horrible. You're going to have to be away from God for a little bit till he's ready to deal with you. No, 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 no. That's not the kind of father that we have. And if you have been in a family where that's how your father or mother or leader has treated you, then get close to God the Father so you can experience his love. If you have been that person that's lorded over your children in that way, get close to the Father so now you can show them what the love of the Father looks like. You know, it's interesting, my, my youngest son is with us this morning. Will you guys say hello to our youngest son, Jordan Matthew? 
Jordan wants to be with God the Father. Our middle son, Andrew, wants to be with God the Father. Our oldest son, Ryan Daniel, they want to be with God the Father. They want to be there. We don't, have to, we don't have to drag them into the presence of God. We don't have to push them into those things. But it's because Pam and I have strived and we continue to strive to show what the Father looks like so that they want them, they want him themselves. See, we serve a loving God. Even if we get off track, he says, come to me. Let's reason this thing out. John 3, 16 and 17, God loved the world. He sent his only son. That no one need die, no one need perish. He wants everyone to have the life of God. It's a Greek word, zoe, eternal life. It's the life of God. It really means life that is eternally life. It's the life that makes God who he is. And he says, even though things got off track, I'm going to send my son so that everyone can have that life. But then verse 17 has become my favorites over this last decade. It says, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son into the world merely to point out the defects or to wave an accusing finger. He came to make things right. So if you ever get off track, Run to God like David did. Search me, oh God. And David got off track, man. David had adultery. He conspired. And then he conspired for murder. And then he hid it. I mean, he was, he spiraled down. And there he was by himself going through all this and, and then your business as usual. But then the prophet came to him and told him stories. Like, man, there was this situation that came up. He, I don't have time to go into the story, but he told the story in such a way where the, David was... David was mad. He was like, who did this thing? Who is this wicked person? He thought it was somebody in the kingdom. And as judge and king, he was going to rule. He was going to make a decision. He was going to make things right. The prophet said, you're the man. You, you did this. And so in Psalm 51, Psalm 51, it's a beautiful. If you ever want to know how to repent, look at Psalm 51. Psalm 51 starts off, it says, against you and you only have I sinned. So when we talk about dependence on God, we really have to say like David, search me, search my motives, search my heart. And if we find that I am running my show and not you, Father God, then lead me in the path everlasting. Not damn me, not condemn me, not burn my house down, not destroy my body, not run everything away from me. Lead me in the path everlasting. It says that with love and kindness, I drew you in. That's what the Father does. He draws you in with love and kindness. God broke my leg because he's trying to show me something. Oh, that wasn't God. You, now, you may have fell down the steps, you may have made a bad decision, you may have not been walking properly or whatever, or it may have been something in society and the wickedness of the culture we live in, but it wasn't God. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that you might have life and have it to the fullest. So do we have to look at it like that and see where the heart of the Father is? David says in that same psalm, one, uh, Psalm 51, he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. See, repentance is joyous. 
Repentance can be joyous. Why? I was dirty, now I'm clean. I was off, now I'm going in the right direction. I was in broken relationship, and now I'm aligned with God. It's the most beautiful picture of being aligned with God. Not so you can walk around and feel like you need to go to heaven now. Now I can go to heaven. Whew, now I can go to heaven. You know, heaven has already been paid for. Heaven's already been paid for. The Father loves you. He just doesn't want you bound up with the enemy. And if we can get a hold of that, even the world would love to get in here. In fact, that's what the Bible says. When Jesus went preaching the kingdom, it says from, from, uh, from, the, pop, from the prophets all the way up until now, the kingdom of heaven has, has gone a particular way. He says, now everybody is forcing their way into the kingdom. And that was because of the message he was preaching. He says, come to the Father. There is life with the Father. It doesn't mean you're going to be a millionaire. It doesn't mean you can just say something and money's going to fall from heaven. No, we've got that part twisted. And he is a good, good father, and he is a good provider. He's called Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah El Roy. He sees you where you are. He sees you to help. He's El Shaddai, he's Elohim, he's all of that. Sometimes we get stuff and we feel like we have to add to. We don't have to add to. He's a, he's a good father. But in this world, you're going to suffer persecution. There's going to be some things that's going to come. And it's going to come either way. It's better to be with Jesus. So I... I just want to, I want to give you that, that picture of repentance and the rhythm of it. And, you know, when we close, we're about to close, we're going to make a declaration. We're going to make a declaration of our total dependence on God. But I want to, I want to share with you something. And my sharing really has to do with the idea of repentance. And listen to these statements. Because the Bible says, godly sorrow leads to repentance. Godly sorrow. That means, ah, oh, man, God's over here and I'm over here. Oh, Lord, I need to be where you are. That kind of sorrow. Not this kind of sorrow. Not the kind of sorrow that brings hopelessness and the kind of deep shame where you can't find divine redemption. I'll say that again. It's not the kind of sorrow that brings hopelessness and the kind of deep shame where you can't find divine redemption. The kind of guilt that suggests no light of deliverance and restoration is available in God. That's not what he's calling for. He's not calling for that. He's saying realize that you've gotten off. Realize that you depend more on your money than you do on God. Realize that you depend on your own ingenuity, wisdom, your own personal strength than you do on God. And yet yeah, it also involves the other stuff, you know, the lying, the cheating, the, you know, all the other stuff. The things that we know about. Sometimes those hidden ones shows us that we are living independent of God. So when the Father says, forgive, be like our sister Vandela, who's an amazing, amazing Bible teacher. Vandela, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. That's Vandela. Y'all love on her. 
She's going to ask me afterwards, Pastor, why you put me out there like that? But she said something um, this morning, and it was just really, it was, it, was a, it was a beautiful, beautiful picture of dependence on God. We're, we're learning how to depend on him, not ourselves. We get it off. We, we lead the wrong way. Humility is the, the way to repentance. Put your hand on your chest and say, Lord, I want to lean on you. I want to depend on you. Help me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we be at that place where our dependence on the Lord is rich and full? Can we be at that place where we turn to God? Can we be at that place where when he says, jump, we jump? Can we be at that place where when it's time to forgive, we forgive? Vandela was sharing this morning in the class that our repentance and our forgiveness, fixing things, should be quick. Do it quick. Don't wait. Be quick. Quick to repent. Quick to say, God, I'm sorry about that. Holy Spirit, help me. Again, not the shame that says, oh, I'm just a horrible, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible person. No, resist that. That's not the Father. That's why when the woman was caught in the act of adultery, she didn't leave. Oh, I got to get out of here, man, because he sees me as a mess. No, she stayed. This old hymn, it says, no one ever cared for me like Jesus. No one ever cared for me like him. No one else could take the guilt and darkness from me. Oh, how much he cares for me. He's there. The enemy will have you thinking that he's pointing a finger. He's not pointing a finger. His hands are out. He's like, come on, I love you. And so when you get off track, say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to work this thing out with my husband. Help me to work this thing out with my son, with my wife, with my niece, with my best friend. Help me. I mean, this stuff is going around in my head, swirling around in my head. Help me. So that's turning. And do it quick. And if there are issues that you're having in your flesh with sexual immorality, yeah, let's talk about it, right? Sexual immorality, perversion, pornography, you know, looking at men and women, and it's not your husband, it's not your wife. Because your husband or your wife, you could look at them, and the Bible says, you know, the, the bed is undefiled. There's no, nothing defiled in the husband-wife relationship. But outside of that, you want to honor each other's bodies. And it can get crazy. If you don't allow the Holy Spirit to come in and, and help you to deal with your issues, your issues will deal with you. And you will find yourself doing things that you never thought you'd do. Apparently there's a movie that's come out that has to do with sex trafficking and just the heart, the depths of what individuals are doing to other individuals are doing to children. It's it's, it's dastardly. It's wicked. 
It's the most vile thing out there. But if you're not quick to repent, that could be you. That could be all of us. And not just that, it could be any of the heinous sins that are out there. And so if you're bound up in certain things, turn to the Holy Spirit, help me. Jesus, I, I need you, help me. It's an old hymn, it says, yield not to temptation for yielding is sin. Each victory will help you some others to win. And then the course comes in with, ask the Savior to help you. Comfort, strengthen, and keep you. Jesus is waiting to aid you. He will carry you through. These are real things. And so let's not let, let ourselves be named the church, but we live like the culture Dependent on God in name, I'm a Christian, I go to church. When things get crazy, I ask God for, get me out of this crisis, get me out of this situation. Heal my son, my daughter, help me with favor. And so I turn him. Pop, here's God, I need him right now. Come on, God. But he wants to come up all the time. He wants to be in alignment with you all the time. He wants you to hear his voice all the time. St. John, St. John chapter 5, he says, I only say what I hear the Father say. St. John chapter 12, he says, I do not have my own. I don't go on my own, uh, you know, thoughts and, and my own agenda. And then St. John chapter 16, Jesus said, get the Holy Spirit. When he comes, he's going to show you what the Father and the Son are talking about. It's all about them. And the dependent Christian, totally dependent on God, is the one who says, I only say what I, what I hear the Father say. I only do what I see the Father do. Now, none of this is to, is to bring shame. So if while you're sitting there and you're hearing this stuff and you're starting to feel, I know it, that's me. I'm messed up. I'm so horrible. Don't miss the target. All the Father wants you to do is turn. He doesn't want you walking around guilty and shame and regret and hopeless. No, that's the enemy. That's the condemner. The father says, daughter, son, come to me. Let's be in alignment. There is a joy that will blow your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled faces, meaning hearts, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image. And it's from one stage of glory to another stage of glory to another stage of glory, even by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God. Hey, stay where you are and don't scream. I love making the kind of declarations that yell with a roar. Sometimes I just want to have clarity. I want you to bow your heads and I want you to say these words. Dear Holy Father God, we repent. I repent. I return to you as the supreme and sovereign ruler of my life. 
I turn to you as the one true God and Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I believe he lived for me. He died for me. He was buried for me. And you raised him up from the dead for me. As your son or daughter, as your child, and as part of your body, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. And I ask your forgiveness for living a life independent from you. Please forgive me and cleanse me with the still active blood that washes all sins away. In Jesus' name. Oh, man. Live like that. Live like that. And know that you're clean and you're free. Know it. Know it. And when you catch it, man, and you see somebody who is bound up, you can't wait to give them that coupon. You can't wait. You can't wait, man. It's, it's nothing like being aligned with the Father. So let's stand together. Everybody stand together. And let's do it like we're pledging allegiance to the flag. All right, put your hand on your heart. And I want you to say these words. Today, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. Father God, we declare our total dependence on you as Father, Creator, and a Holy God. We depend on you, King Jesus. We depend on you, Holy Spirit. Father God, we are dependent, totally dependent, on your holy perspective found in your holy scriptures. We are totally dependent on your holy name, Jesus, and your great love. We ask you that as citizens of heaven, living on the planet Earth, help us to live lives individually and collectively as representatives of your church, we are committed to living lives that reflect your kingdom culture coming here and your will being done here, now on earth, just as it is in heaven. So help us in Jesus' name, as fresh and new, we declare our dependence on you, oh God, in Jesus' name. And now give God a roar. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Father. And I want to tell you, the love of God is just waiting to get out. He's waiting to get out of the earth. He's waiting 
to get out. I mean, man. And so I want you to go home and first spend time for your home, whether that's a room, an apartment, a condo, a house, a mansion, it doesn't matter what you live on, an estate, whatever. Go home and declare all around that property, this is God's property. This is God's property now. All right? It's God's property. And take a cup. We've got cups. If you haven't gotten a communion cup, get one on the way out. Take a cup, and however many are in your household, take that many cups. And when you go home with your Christian family members, remember the Lord's body and remember his blood and declare that he is Lord over your lives. And then let that love ooze out all over, all, all over your block. Oh, listen, let it ooze out. Let it ooze out. Let it ooze out. Let it ooze out. I want you to know about, I don't know, maybe about, is it a year? Maybe about a year? Come here, Yolanda. I want you guys to meet. This is my neighbor. This is Yolan Randolph. And, and her and her husband, Michael, and Pam and I, man, we cover our street. Yolan's out walking the street, praying over the street. She takes one end of the street going up further up there. We take this side down here. And what do we give it out? Is it shame? Is it regret? Is it death? Is it destruction? No, it's life. It's the love of God. And I use this not to, to point out, you know, just how wonderful Yolan is or, you know, we're these super Christians. No, it's we're not anything. It's the grace of God. And freely we have received. And freely we give out. So I bless you with that picture. Find out who's on your street that's a Christian and make a decision that we're going to bring a climate change to our street. We're going to bring a climate change to our street and use it as a way to bless your neighbors. You all received that. Thank you, Yolan. Will you love on Yolan? So hold your hand up high and say these words. Father, thank you for today. I'm dependent on you. I need you more. Use me this week to advance your kingdom, but help me to live with the rhythm of repentance, keeping you first in Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious unto you and give you peace of every kind, favor of every kind, joy of every kind, for you are blessed to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all so much. See you on Wednesday. See you on Wednesday. Find somebody to encourage on the way out. Say something encouraging to somebody on the way out. And don't forget to get a communion cup.